Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Praise God. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, since Christmas, you look like you've been losing weight. Now I've got a room full of friends, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are present with us. We thank you that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you raised Jesus from the dead on the third day. And that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, Lord God, right here today on the Gold Coast. Lord, those same purposes for which you raised Jesus from the dead 2,000 years ago are still alive in the earth. And we just thank you, God, that for some reason you've chosen us to be a part of your eternal purposes and your incredibly wonderful plan of salvation for this world. And so, God, as we look into your word today that has great and wonderful power. We pray, God, that the words of man would be stilled in our ears, but that which is from heaven would leave a lasting deposit. And everyone who believes said, Amen. 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 So for those of you who don't know me, who we haven't met before, my name's Tosh. I've been preaching for Jesus for about 20 years. For about the first five years of those, we did a church planting and pastoring role out in the Bayside suburb of Wynnum and Manly in Brisbane. And for about the last 15 years, I've been an itinerant evangelist. The story's longer than that, but that's essentially what we do. I got started on the traveling on the road by uh, being invited by a friend of mine who, uh, who was going to do a week's worth of ministry in, in a little country town called Bryan in Texas in the United States. And I've been doing a little bit of traveling ministry through Asia uh, through a different sort of circumstance, but I uh, got, to, got to this little tent. It was a cowboy tent. Anybody ever heard of a cowboy church? You can better believe it. And in Texas, they got them. And on the second night of this, of this uh, crusade, there was an old man, 87 years of age. He was fighting in the Second World War and had a bomb go off nearby him and it blew his hearing out of his ear. And we were sitting on hay bales in the cowboy tent doing revival meetings. And this old dude had his ear open up on the second night of the meeting. And it was incredible. And it just was like a magnet for the whole community. And people came in from all over this particular area. And it just started for about two weeks, just night after night. This incredible revival happened in in Texas there. And so we were seeing people coming off walking frames. And then like about into the week later, about a week into it, we started seeing God do these really, really loud and demonstrative uh, deliverances where people were having spirits come out of them. And when that started happening, the crowd just swelled. And I went home to Australia and I think God's telling me to to become an itinerant evangelist. And one thing led to another. And 15 years later, here we are still. So I'm, I'm here today with one of my kids. I'm a dad of five. Four of them are in other places. One of them's up at uh, Highway uh, at, at Ormo. And uh, I br- I, so that's a little bit about who I am. I want to share with you today a message entitled, Sharing Christ in a World of Options. Now, as we live in the world today, there seems to be options of how we can live thrown to us all day, every day. And so what is it about our belief in Jesus that makes 
our faith different from all the other options that can now compete with us in our own home on our own cell phones or on a, on a website or on a forum or wherever? What is it about Jesus that separates him from all of the other religious leaders? Why do what, what does what we believe matter that in comparison to all of the other worldviews? And the answer that we're probably all going to say is we've all had a very shared experience where we've come to God at some points in our life and we've said to God, God, would you reveal yourself to me? Or God has come and he's revealed himself to us and his personal touch has penetrated the hardness of our own mind or the hardness of our own heart and he's done something on the inside of us that no one else could do. And then when we've had that experience of his work within us, we can find other people who have had the same mysterious encounter happen with them and we have fellowship with each other inside of that. And I want to talk about taking our internal experience of how we've encountered Jesus and how we've seen Jesus at work in us and the validity of that and the wonder of that that we can feel for ourselves and but to take that and to share that with the broader community around us. And what I want to start to begin with in saying is this, what we're not doing when we're sharing faith with the people around us, we're not trying to, first of all, we're not trying to win an argument. I've seen it so many times where people try to convince another person about the logic of Jesus when it was the internal touch of his love that transformed their life. Now, when it comes to our Christian faith, there's a whole area of study that you can go so far down, you can get a PhD in an area uh, which is just explaining Jesus, the, the, the area of apologetics, the logic of believing in God. But the logic of believing in God doesn't transform the heart. And for us who've had a heart experience of Jesus that desperately in our heart know our love for him and want to see other people experience that, we can't convince them by, by, the, by the convincing of the words, but it's a changing of the heart and it's a touching of the heart. Another thing we're not trying to do is, God help us, we're not trying to get social status by being right. Winning the argument, being right, I'm right, you're wrong, you should believe in, we're gonna, what are we going to do, shame people into Jesus? We're going to shame someone into a relationship of love? We're going to make them seem like a fool and us be right? No, I've seen people do this and it's like, it's like when you watch one of those old kung fu movies. My brother was five years older than me, and he was into all the ninja movies that came out of Hong Kong in the middle 80s. And you'd see them talking, and he'd be like, Hey, man, how you doing? Where's the boss? Like, you can hear the language, but something looks very wrong in what you're seeing. That's like the Christians who go out there and try to argue people into a relationship with God. You can't argue someone into, into a work of internal transformation. Another thing we're not trying to do is, is, is be in a place where we're just trying to elevate ourselves and go on an ego trip. Now, if I can just let all of that go and say, well, if we're going to be going into sharing the gospel, obviously the most famous passage is John 3.16, which we could all probably quote by heart. And I'm going to be reading from the New King James through all of what I've got here. So if you've got a Bible app, you can switch it over to there. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's true. God does love the world so much that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we have the message of love in there. But I want to, this morning, I want to push deeper into this. I want to get past the surface level of just the, just the love, the, the general overview of God's love. And I want to examine in depth the act of His love. 
And the act of his love was to, to breach the gap between humanity and his, his own perfection. Humanity who had fallen and God's perfection in the state in which he lives. So there's this, there's this divide between the eternal God who, who made the entire universe, who dwells in majesty, whose character is righteousness and holiness and glory. And, and he's so pure and he's so powerful that if something that is perverted was to come into his presence, it would burn up and destroy that thing. What a heartbreak for, for God himself who created Adam and Eve in his own image. He gave them stewardship of all of the earth, all of his creation. He made them the boss of the whole thing. And then they go and they choose to step out of his kingdom into the kingdom of another. Step out of the kingdom of holiness and grace and, and blessing and righteousness and in by deception into the kingdom of darkness. And when they stepped out, they took with them all that they stewarded into a kingdom of evil, into a kingdom of corruption and of sin and of death and of destruction. And they were tricked by subtlety, the Bible says. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, they were tricked by the subtlety of the devil. There's a great lesson for us all in that, how the enemy tries to trick us out of God's blessing by his subtlety. And you actually see it back in Genesis chapter 3. Did God really say that you're not to touch the tree? The devil's always being very, very subtle. So here's God, his ignorant creation, who he loves with all of his heart. They've stepped out of his presence and out of his kingdom into the kingdom of darkness. And this is why the Savior had to come. This is why the anguish that Jesus went through on the cross was real. This is why the crucifixion had to happen. This is why he had to give his real blood. The good news that we say in the gospel is not just the word called the gospel. The good news is that God saves us from sin. Now I want to have a look, just before we dig into the answer, I want to have a look at the problem. And so we'll say this in, if you're taking notes, the first point that I want to raise is the good news fixes our biggest problem. And before I dive into what the good news is, I want to ask the question, what is the problem? The problem in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, it says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I find that in sharing Christ with people, helping them understand the love of God inside of this context, if we can, if we can get through to people, it really, if, it really makes people think. You can see the power of God working in people's heart when they can come to an understanding of this. It's very easy for us to share our faith with people in the context of sin and make it sound like we are being judgy of people. Make it sound like we are being critical of them. Like we're saying, don't you know that you sin? But the reality is, Paul, the apostle, he said that he was the greatest of all sinners. We all know that within our own hearts, we've done the wrong thing. And so if we can look at this and, and, and be a little less personalized about it and analyze what it is, it's quite amazing. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Did you know that the word sin in our New Testament is actually an archery term? Archery. What it's talking about is if you, if you pull your, your, your arrow back in your, in your bow and you let it go, and the target, let's say the target's the wall, the arrow flies, 
and it lands short. That's what the word sin means. That's why it's followed up by this, these next few words. For all have sinned and fall short of what? Of the glory of God. Because see, God dwells in his majesty and glory and he wants us to fellowship with him. So for us to fellowship with him, he has to put his righteousness back onto us. And if we know that we've all sinned and we've fallen short, we can't make our way back to God, right? That's what Jesus was doing on the cross. But if we can have a look at this whole concept of for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we've got an understanding that we can see that our God's, our God's plan is not to come to us and say, you dirty, stupid sinner. Why did you do that thing for? Why did you click on that link? Why did you get involved in that argument with that person? Why did you swear at that person who cut you off in the traffic on the M1? God's not sitting there looking down on us trying to find sin. Where's the sin? Jesus actually said in the Gospel of John, the Father judges no one and he has committed all judgment to the Son. And then Jesus goes on and he says, and at this point, I don't even judge you. There's coming a day in the future when God will judge the world, but the Father cares so little in his whole role of what he's doing in the salvation of the world that he has given the role of judgment to Jesus. Because the Father wants to father his people. The Father looks at you and says, I see the good that's in you that's unfulfilled right now. My judgment is taken away and I want to be with you and I want to call you into being who I've created you to be. The Spirit of the Lord was on Nick this morning when he said, we believe that God wants you to be who you're meant to be. That's the heart of the Father looking past all the stuff that's our failures or past all the stuff that we condemn ourselves over. Or am I alone in that? I think I might be alone in that because I'm in a room of Christians. But the reality is he looks at us and he sees us for who we can be. And his heart is the heart of a father that says, like he, like he was in the heart of Jesus in the book of Revelations where John sees Jesus in all of his majesty and he falls on his face before Jesus. And, and Jesus says, what are you doing on the ground? Come up here and come up now. Too often when we look at our own faults and when we look at our own failings, we throw ourselves on the ground and we go, oh God, what use am I? Oh, what use am I, God? You know, oh, I've failed and oh, I've disqualified myself and oh, Nick's such a godly man and, and the pastors are such good people. How could I ever be used by you? If you've got breath in your lungs, you're drawing it because God has given it to you. And you might not be standing on a pulpit ministering, but I tell you what, each one of us go to 40 hours a week in a paid work somewhere where we've got a pulpit that none of these ministers can get to. Amen? Well, you can be your own pulpit out in the world, not by, not by trying to be a better Christian, but just by allowing him to speak his words of encouragement to you. I'm with you. Do you know, if he wants to win the whole world to salvation, and he's chosen his people. He knows that we're flawed and sometimes we've just got to look at ourselves and say, okay, God, in, in spite of my stupidness, in spite of my ignorance, would you just anoint me and use me today? Would you just anoint me and use me today? When I first got saved, I was, uh, I was working out and uh, living in a pub up in Kapalaba, 21 years of age, got saved, met Jesus, and I was, you know, I felt like Paul, you know, the chief of sinners. 
And I just started to learn to, to get before God on my knees before I'd go out into the pub. There was no one preaching Jesus there. No one preaching Jesus there. And I'd say, God, would you just use me? You know, I'm like six months saved. God, just use me here today. And I'd go out there and just be sharing whatever I could with people. And before a while, people's walls would break down. And then they'd start to share with you one, one thing or another. There was one night, a particularly dramatic thing happened. I was serving a guy who'd been, who'd been drinking all night and he was loaded. And I just cut him off from service and I'm like, okay, that's enough for you, mate. You know, there's no longer responsibly for me to serve you, blah, blah, blah. And, and he was okay with it. And then he asked me if I'd go out with him partying to a nightclub around the corner. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to go home because I'm going to go home to sleep because I've got church in the morning. And the guy's like, church, what are you going to church for? And I was like, well, I tell you what, I was doing what you were doing and I was miserable. Are you happy? And the spirit of conviction started coming on the guy. And then all of a sudden he gets, he gets tears welling in his eyes and he goes, I'm not a bad person. And I said, well, none of us really want to be bad people, but we all find ourselves, I know I find myself doing stuff that I find really, you know, regretful when I look back at it later on. And then he starts weeping and he goes, could God do something for me? And I'm like, sure, if he could do something for me, he could do something for you. So I lean over the bar and he's like standing over here and I just start praying for him. I said, can I pray for you? And he goes, yeah, I pray for him. And he jumps back from the bar and he goes, what did you do to me? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I, I'm standing here. You asked me to pray for you to see if God would do something for you. He goes, I felt something like lightning going through my body. And I was like, well, that's God, I think, you know. Well, I haven't been at this Christian thing for too long, but it sounds like what happened to me. And he's like, and then he, then he looks at me and he reaches forward and he grabs his smokes and his keys and his wallet because phones weren't a thing back then. And he goes, I'm sober. I never saw that guy ever again. I don't know. Never saw him again and he was a regular beforehand. So God only knows. You never know what God can do for you. If you, God, you never know what God will do in you if you just say, God, use me in this space. I'll just follow you. I'll keep my heart in a, in a place where your Holy Spirit can be like, I can be a landing strip for you. And then, and then anything can happen in that space. But if we go around with a mentality that God is trying to help us and help the other people in the world actually hit the mark. God's plan is that he's for you and not against you. In him, all of his promises are already yes. All his promises are amen. That's what God says. God, could I do this for you? He's like, yes. God, I'd like to serve you in such and such a way. Would that be good? Amen. That's what God's singing on to us. The voice of encouragement that comes from God in, in this hour, I believe as the church, the world is in a place where there's so much negativity. There is so much bad news. Everybody's trying to be right by being offended. Oh, oh, I'm so offended that you said this and I'm so offended that this person did that. And you know what? That which is born of the flesh is flesh, Jesus said in the Gospel of John. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit, said Jesus. And if we, can, if we can realize that we're in a very contentious world right now, but the reality is the things of his power aren't relegated to the things of this world. They're spiritual. And if we just allow our hearts to just reach out to God and say, here, we are, here I am, Lord, use me. God does spiritual things over the top of those natural world things. Amen? The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 5 that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
The spiritual darkness in the world isn't going to understand what God does. But see, a person who's made in the image of God, when they see God's light shining through us, can have that moment of transformation in their own life. Romans chapter 5 and verse 20 says this. I think this is an amazing scripture. Moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound. Some scriptures say that sin might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And I've heard Christian people and leaders from different places around the world talking about the trouble that the world is in right now and how the church has got to rise up and the church has got to tell the world what the, you know, what the answer is. And it's like this, this militant mentality that, that there's so much sin out there, we've got to, we've got to fight against the sin. But this, what the Bible says here is where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So are we going to be focusing on, on the abundance of sin? God help me, I want to be the kind of guy that focuses in on the much more of His grace. Because every time I've seen someone on drugs or in a lifestyle that they hate but they can't break free from, it's not focusing in on what, what's going wrong, that's the problem. They already know what's going on, but they don't have answers. They need them much more than what they've got. And the answer, they're searching, man. They've gone down this hole searching for an answer so deep, and they're so committed to trying to find an answer that their life is broken, yet they just can't understand that they're searching in the wrong space. All we have to do is be able to shine the light of what God wants to do, and God will do it in them much more than the work of the enemy. Amen? I was, at this, um, I was at this men's conference. I was preaching a men's conference up on Brisbane Southside in September. And there's this guy came in to the, the conference. And there might have been as many people in the conference as there are here today. And a room very similar, the same size as this. But over, over in this corner, there's a mechanical bull. And the mechanical bull needs to be ridden because it's a men's conference. And it needs to be mastered because it's a men's conference. And it needs to be operated by the operator. And so the operator's there. And I had this word of knowledge. We were praying for people at one of the altar times about someone having a problem in the, the base of their neck and their left shoulder. And no one was coming forward for it. And if you've ever been in ministry in a situation like that, it can be really embarrassing. And you can try to be tempted to save face. And, but I was just like, no, this is what God said. And eventually the operator of the mechanical bull steps forward. So he prayed for him, and on the spot, he raises his hands, and he starts weeping, crying. And he's like, I am completely healed. And he's raising his hands, and the band, amen, glory to God. And the band's playing in the background, and all of the guys are kind of like looking up like, what happened here? And they were as surprised as I was. And I was like, wow, tell us about what happened. And he goes, and through the tears, he was holding his, like trying to get his words out through his tears because God was doing something on the inside of him that was far greater than what was happening on the outside of him. And he goes, I've been away from church for like 25 years. And when I grew up, I was the best friend of a pastor's kid. And I basically was like the extra child in the pastor's household. But when I got to be an adult, I'd made some choices and life's been really difficult and blah, blah, blah. And then I got to work today and and they were drawing straws for who got to take the mechanical bull to the church and as soon as I walked in and they were talking about it he says I knew it was me (laughs) and he got there and he's been in fellowship and God's touched the guy's life ever since then so praise God amen
there's, there's no way, there's no way that any of us could orchestrate something like that. We're not going to put it together and plan it out. We're not going to have the smarts about us to be able to, 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 to push through something in the real world like that. But see, that's the kingdom of God that we're a part of. It's God wanting to glorify himself in partnership with us, in spite of us. Not, not, not spitefully toward us, but in spite of our failings. He's big enough to say, you know, my promises are still going to be yes and amen. Because there's something at play which is bigger than my insecurities about me. There's something at play that's bigger than all of our shortcomings. It's the eternal souls of the children that God loves. There's a world full of souls that are going to live for all of eternity. And the heart of the Father is that they'd all come home. And if I can get past my insecurities or my, my problems that I have with my life and myself, I can see that there's, there's a cause here, that the, that the Lord himself wants to bless me to walk into and bless all of us to walk into and be a part of. Second part leads me here, point two, the good news is God's love. And as we saw before from, from, uh, from Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, here comes the good news. There's a consequence for everything. None of us are going to go to work all week and expect no wages, right? But when we fall short, there's a consequence to that. It's a, it's a cutting off from the life of God, a cutting off from a fellowship with Him. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. It's a spiritual death that happens to us when we willingly choose to do things that we know aren't glorifying to God or the right thing. When our conscience, when we have to step on our conscience to go and do a thing, that's the falling short. And the wages of that is separation from God. The wages of sin is death. But the verse doesn't finish there. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So if God sees us as his fallible, broken children who have chosen to do the wrong thing, he understands something that we can't save ourselves. I want to look at this here. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6 says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own ways. But here's the kicker on that. God doesn't leave it hanging there like you've all done the wrong thing. Tosh, you've done the wrong thing. You people, you've all done the wrong thing. The verse finishes with, but the Lord has laid on him, which is Jesus. The Lord has laid on him the trespasses or the iniquities of us all. Where Jesus looked at us, and God has laid on Jesus all of our sin because the wages of sin need to get paid, which is death. God's a just judge and he's not going to say that the wages of sin are de is death and have it not paid for. Which is where we go back to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Why? So that all of the wages of sin could be loaded on Jesus on the cross. Have a look at this, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that awesome? God didn't say, well, if you come to church and if you come to prayer meeting and if you join the worship team and if you join service team and if you mow the lawns, then you can be saved. No, he said, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he, which is the Father God in heaven, made him Jesus who knew no sin, so Jesus knew no sin, for he made him who knew no sin 
to be made into sin for us. So you've got, let's just put it into two camps here. We've got like those who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the righteousness of God. There's these two camps here. And we've got Jesus who never sinned, who never did anything wrong, who never transgressed, who never missed the mark one time in his life. And the scripture says that the Father took Jesus who knew no sin to be made into sin for us, right? He went onto the cross and he paid for our sin. And then on the cross after death, he went into hell. But see, death couldn't hold him because he didn't have his own sin. He bore the punishment for our sin. He went down into hell, was held in hell for our sin, but he couldn't, be, he couldn't hold him. And then he rose up and he's now seated at the right hand of God. Glory to God, amen. But watch what happens. The end of this verse says, He took him who made no sin, who, who, who knew no sin, to be made into sin for us, that we might be made into the righteousness of God in him. That is the greatest wonder in all of creation, that God would look at humanity and not just forgive us, but share his own righteous nature back with us. So when we're facing challenges, when we're facing sin that comes to us, a great thing I learned many years ago is to not sit and struggle and fight with sin, just to say, God, I, just, I thank you that I'm already free from this thing. Your word says I'm already free and all these addictions that are pulling me back to what I used to do and all these impulses that want to drag me off back into sinfulness, they're all lies from the enemy, Lord, because you've given me a new nature of righteousness. And when you go into your workplace, you can understand that God has made Jesus our sin so that he can make you his own righteousness. So when you go into that place, you don't go in under your own steam, you go in carrying his presence. You are not the answer, but it's no longer I that live. It's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith implanted into me by the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Our answer is, it always boils back to humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God that in due time he will exalt us in our lives. But walking into circumstances and saying, here I am God, just somehow use me in this crazy and weird and wonderful circumstance. I'm going to close with this in just a couple of seconds. Our choice, our choice is about God's love. That's my third point if you're taking notes. Your choice is about God's love. Romans 10 and verse 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I find with the things of God, they're so simple that we can easily just overlook the wonder of the simple things and get a little bit enamored with the complexities of life. And when we start looking at how complex things are, we can get discouraged then. But if we keep it to the point where we're just going to focus in on our relationship, walking with him and loving him, as simple as this verse is here, it's sort of like a recipe for life. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What are your challenges that are facing you in 2023? Well, I believe the answer for that is to believe in your heart, right? Sorry, if you can, to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. So challenges, 
I declare that my Lord is Jesus. You're not my Lord and I'm not in, you're not in mastery over me, you challenges. Jesus is in mastery over me. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead and according to that, in these challenges, I'm going to be saved according to these challenges. It's no longer us that live, but it's him that lives in us. John, 1 John chapter 5 verses 11 and 12 says this, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and that life is in his son. So the life that we're going to live right now We should, I believe we should be expecting that the promises, the supernatural promises and the elements of eternal life are going to manifest themselves into the journey that we live. We're going to see God at work in us in 2023 in the journey that we live. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and that life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. So we thank you, Father, today. That as simple as your words are, when they are confronted with the complexities of life, our minds that want to dive into all of the worry and all of the anxiety, help us to be ones, Lord God, who are just going to stay focused in and worship you, who are going to turn off the noise and seek you and chase you, who are going to go after your revelation, Lord God, who are going to pray and seek your face and allow you to be our shield and our exceedingly great reward, allow you to be our treasure, the treasure with which we seek. I've got one more verse here from John chapter, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So we've got some people here who believe in the name of the Son of God. We do. Amen. Paul says this. I've written these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. He's speaking to the saved and he said, these things I've written to you that you may know that you have eternal life but that, may, that you may continue to believe. Coming into this year, all this message that I wanted to share, just continue to believe in Him. Believe that this year can be a time of great intervention from God. It's the start of a, a new date on our calendar. But God calls us into a, a, li- a life of lasting fellowship with Him. There are so many distractions out there in the world. But God's on an eternal purpose that one day we're going to go to heaven and we are going to receive rewards according to the disciplines that we keep in this world. And I'd like to encourage us to remember if there's one fight in our lives that we need to keep ourselves with a sharp blade in our heart for, it's the fight of seeking His face. It's the fight of dividing ourselves away from distractions and getting before him, getting alone. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if you want to please, he said openly in public anyway, if you want to please your father who's in heaven, go and lock yourself in a closet and seek him there. And he who sees the things that are done in private will reward you openly. 
And that's all good when it comes to reward. But the reality is, as we go through our life and we, we're going to believe to see God do great and mighty things, who can believe that, that Gilston's really going to grow this year? It's been years of solicitation. Amen. We can see it happen here. And it's not going to happen by the pastors doing their thing. If we all go to our pulpit out there in the world, we go to our pulpit at the grocery store, we don't have to go in and, and bark doctrines at people. Well, we can go in and we can pour love out on people, which is far greater, as we saw before, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. We can go and pour the love of God out on that person until they're irresistible in their mind to find out more. God is irresistible for people whose heart is soft. And when we just go out into the world and allow ourselves to be ones who are going to pour out the grace and the love of God, forgiving when forgiveness sounds stupid, when forgiveness is hard, loving those who don't love us. You know, one of the hardest things to do, but simplest things that Jesus said was love your enemies. That's no joke. That's power in that. He says that it's like it ends up being in the spirit, like, like coals poured out upon people's head when we love our enemies. Some people look at that in a retribution way. But if you look at the language of the Old Testament, every time there's visions happening, when God cleanses something in the spirit realm, He puts a hot coal on it. When we love people, do you realize when people hate us and we love them back, it's like the love of God is able to sear them with a hot coal in the spirit by placing His love in them? And you might not see it. There's, a, there's, a, there's people that I know from back in the pub days, pastors, mission leaders now, people who I just shared Christ with. I never, I never led them to the Lord, but we're a part of a chain work of what God's doing in our generation. And you don't have to get results. You just have to be his kid. Can I say that again? You don't have to get results. We're so results orientated. Just be his kid. Just share his love. Just be his, be his family to people who don't have it. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just pray this morning before you. And we thank you, God, that you're with us, that you never leave us or forsake us. We thank you that as we start this new year in church, in fellowship, in worship, that you've given us a word that just says that we belong, that you love us, Lord, and that you want us all. You want us all transformed by your righteousness, not by our works. You want us all loving by your love, not by our limited love. And I pray for each and every one of us, God, that you would help us to go forward with the spirit of joy, with a spirit of peace, with a spirit of grace. And that, Lord, this year would be a year where we wouldn't be trying to judge things on the surface and gauge things according to our own intellect. But according to our heart, we'd be able to say, I'm just going to be your kid. I'm just going to love with your love. I'm just going to allow your love to flow through me and see what great and wonderful things you can do in me in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. I'm going to invite Pastor Nick up now to close the service, but I would like to open the altar afterwards. If you've got need in your body for healing, I'd like to pray for you. I was, um, I was out last weekend at a church and we saw God move greatly in power there. And I want to pray for you. There's people here today. I feel like there's someone in your right leg, you've got like clicking in your knee and it's been growing over probably the last six months. God's going to touch you. And I just feel like we need to open up because I feel like God's going to do something cool here today. So come on up, bro. God bless, guys. Thanks for having me and have a great week.
Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.